This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. I want to take it out because they feel it's a license for Christians to sin. But Paul is just being honest here. Case in point, we, when we study chapter 6, when we study about being saved because we were saved Christian, does that mean as Christians we don't sin? We sin. We blow it all the time. As a matter of fact, 1 John verses one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 8, John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's including himself. He's talking to Christians. Perhaps one of the more controversial portions of Scripture is found in none other than Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Many scholars have argued that chapter 7 appears to come off as though Paul is giving license for Christians to freely sin. However, in today's message, Pastor Eddie will help us to clear up any confusion regarding these common misconceptions. In our study, we gain a better understanding of the sinful nature of our flesh and the spiritual battle we fight on a daily basis. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 7 for today's edition of Running the Race. Romans chapter 7, we continue on from verses 13 to 25. Paul is going to show us that... Every single one of us, every human being has a problem. Now, we know we have many problems, right? But there's one singular problem, and Paul's going to point this out. And the problem is, for each and every one of us, and you would agree wholeheartedly unless you're not human. And the problem is this. We know the right things to do, but we don't often do it. Anybody does not have a problem with that? I think we all have a problem with that. We always say junior, we look at kids, but even regardless of what age you are, we all have that problem. So let us begin our study, taking it from verse 13. Verse 13, Paul says, has then what is good become death to me? What is good? Referring to the law. Remember the law is holy, just, and good. He says, what then? Has the law, which is good, caused death to me? As it caused my death, Paul says, certainly not. What has caused his death to us? Sin. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. The law, keep this in mind. The law does not kill us. It is sin that kills us. Sin kills us. What does Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says? He said, for the wages of sin is death. It's not the wages of the law is death. For the wages of sin is death. Sin kills us. The law is good. It shows us what not to do so we're not sin and so that way we will not die. It is sin that kills us. Now, The rest of the passage from verses 14 to 25 in Romans chapter 7 is very important for you students who who probably like to do in-depth study. 
Romans chapter 7 verse, from verses 14 to 25 is the most popular passage, not the most popular verse, a verse, but the most popular passage in the, all of New Testament. And we'll see why in a minute. Also, this passage from verses 14 to 25 has long been one of the most controversial, debated passages in all of Scripture. It's a matter of fact, some scholars doing the first 300 years of church history has suggested, listen to this, to skip over or to avoid chapter 7 altogether. This chapter we study, there are scholars, even till, you know, today there's been controversial, it's been controversial. The controversy centers around Paul's use of the pronouns I and me when it comes to the struggle of sin. Remember the question we have. I know of the good things I should do, but I don't do it. Does that apply to a sinner? Yes. Does that apply to one who believes in Christ? Yes. So why then we have to skip over chapter 7? I'm no scholar. But I think it's just a matter of studying the text. And what's the problem with the churches, with Christians, is that we depend on scholars. And we leave it up to the scholars. We leave it up to the pastors. We leave it up to all the teachers. And we don't study it for ourselves. And you find that, hey, once you study this, you'll find, and say, well, listen, I'm no scholar either. But based on what I just read, why should we skip it? I understand it. And, and that becomes a problem. You know, to suggest, and I, I want to park here for a little bit. I don't want to get up there, but I think it's important for us and for you students to suggest that we avoid or disregard any portion of Scripture is to disregard the entire Word of God altogether. And that's a problem. Because if a scholar or a Bible teacher would suggest that for any portion of Scripture, I would ask the question, why even teach the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible? I knew a co-worker of mine who's got his master's degree in New York Theological Seminary and tells me, you do not, you can't take the Bible literally. Really. Now that is like, why do you spend all your money to go to school and study the Scriptures? Why study the entire scripture? Call yourself a scholar if you don't believe in all the scriptures, God's inerrant word, inspired word of God. And just because our small brains and our flesh cannot fully understand a certain portion of scripture doesn't mean that God made a mistake or we're to rip it right off the pages of our Bible. And it goes for doctrine, it goes for theology. And as if the Holy Spirit don't know what it's talking about, just want to fill up some pages. And it's up to us to decide whether or not what is acceptable, what is not. Don't fall into it. Don't fall into any kind of that teaching. The problem is these scholars are so puffed up because knowledge does puff up scripturally. They're so puffed up that they think that they make the call. They are above the authority of the word of God. That's why we have so many religions. That's why we, even in, in, when it comes to those in the Catholic religion, I, I share with some of my Catholic friends, out of love, here's the scripture. This is what the scripture said. Oh, no, the Pope said. So the Pope is above God and his word. And so in the same fashion, if you don't understand a portion of scripture, and if you can't properly interpret the scripture, don't blame God. Don't blame the word. 
I say, if you don't understand it, continue study. study. Study it until God reveals it to you. And if you don't believe in the Holy Scriptures, you don't believe in the author who wrote the Scriptures, and it's the Holy Spirit who is God. You think for one minute when the prophets wrote down prophecies in the Old Testament about the end times, you think they had a clue of what was going to take place. They had some idea, but they didn't understand what they were writing. You know, they, even John, when he wrote Revelation, he, he, he had to use, uh, he had to interpret it, uh, you know, using his world to say, this is what I see. And it's like this. It's like this. Try to describe the end times based on what he could only describe it. If I, if I had someone like Paul, let's say if I go back in a time machine, no such thing. But anyway, let's say if I go back in time and I bump into Paul and I show him a iPod. How do you think he's going to describe that? He, he doesn't even know technology. So they didn't understand. So that's not to say that they're going to disregard it and not put it in the book. I thank God that they were faithful. They didn't care about man. They didn't care about their own wisdom and their little small brains because they didn't understand. Oh, we're not going to put it in. No, be careful when people tell you any portion of scripture, any portion of scripture. I don't care. There's not one portion of scripture that needs to be removed from the scriptures. And we need to stay with that. And so with that said, it is imperative that we study and appreciate the context that we're going to that's before us, especially in Romans chapter seven. Again, we all struggle in that area. We all struggle. We know the right things to do, but we don't often do it. So let's study this passage. Verse 14, Paul says, for we know, we know, and Paul knows that this is a general agreement among us believers, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The trouble is not with the law, for the law, again, is spiritual, is good. It is just. The trouble is what? With me, for I am carnal of the flesh. I am just too human. I am sold under sin. The problem is with me, not with the law. You see, Paul is writing based on his experience. He's a human being. He is now saved under the blood, but he's, you know, it's an encouragement to see what he's, you know, what he's sharing. I just think it's, I love Paul for this. It's not that Paul was living for the flesh, but Paul was living by the flesh and he knows it. He knows he's not perfect. And so this is why some of the scholars want to take it out because they feel it's a license for Christians to sin. But Paul is just being honest here. Case in point, we, when we study chapter 6, when we study about being saved because we were saved Christian, does that mean as Christians we don't sin? We sin. We blow it all the time. As a matter of fact, 1 John verses one, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. He's including himself. He's talking to Christians. Talking about John, the apostle who followed Jesus when he was 15 years old. He's writing this when he's about 100 years old. He's been following God faithfully. Out of all the disciples, died, didn't die to martyr's death, died of natural causes. And he's saying us. He's speaking to Christians. If we say we don't sin, you know, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in you because we do blow it. We don't sin anymore. We don't practice sin, that is. 
And so, you know, case in point, this is what Paul is saying. So the difference between the Christian is that he doesn't practice it. So the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. And though the law is spiritual, holy, just, and good, it's all those things. And those are good things. The law cannot help us. It cannot help you. It cannot help carnal man. You see, we, then, then we're depending on rules and regu- regulations. Then we're depending on the law for salvation. Then we're depending on the law to be right with God and to have a solid foundation and a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's based on the law. It's not about the law. It cannot help you. It's just there to show you. And praise God, if you accepted Christ and you're a believer, then the, law, the tutor has done its job. Now you're saved. The only one The only one that can help carnal man is death through the flesh, through Jesus Christ. Dying to self and living for Christ. And so, here's the famous passage in verse 15. This is what he said. This this verse in itself, it's what gets people to understand where we stand, where we are, and what we go through. It's, It's an experience as a Christian. Verse 15 says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. Here it is. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Boy, how many of us can relate to this here? Every single one of us. And a matter of fact, if I was asked everyone here to show of hands, you know, I don't want to embarrass the person who doesn't want to raise their hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? But let's say if I ask, let's all raise your hands. If you could agree with this, you could relate with this passage where Paul is saying, you'll be like Arnold Horshack from Welcome Back Carter. Oh, 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 yeah, that's me, preacher, preacher. That's how we'll be, because we could relate with this. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. And again, I just love Paul because he is honest enough to admit it, to share it in his letter to the believers in Rome. Paul knows, remember, we we study how he he said, if if it wasn't for the law, how would he know not to covet? He used that out of all the commandments, not to covet. Why? Out of all the commandments, that is the only covenant that's internal. Covet is not something exposed. Maybe somebody may reveal that from within, but there are people who covet. They may not even say a word. Out of all the commandments, that shall not steal. You could find, that's outwardly. Anybody could see that. That could be exposed as an outward action. Thou shall not murder. That's an outward action. Thou shall not commit adultery. I mean, thou shall not, well, that too could be, it takes two, right? Thou shall not covet. That's inside. So Paul knew, he said, you know, until I read that one, that one hit me the hardest. And I realized it's something deep within. It's not works. It's not exterior. Anything we do exteriorly is something deep within. And so in the same way here, he admits that, hey, listen, I, I, the things that I should be doing, the good thing, I don't understand myself is what he's saying. I don't understand myself. Here's a scholar. Here's a man of age who has been experienced in life, who is a scholar for many years, and now he's spent time in the Lord. He said, I really don't understand myself, and I thank God that he has, when you read Paul's letter, he will say, have I reached it? No, I have not reached the mark. People say, oh, there's a certain level of spirituality. Oh, I've been in the body of Christ for so long. I've been in ministry 50 years, and they think they reached into it, and that's the the problem. I don't care if you're 100 years in the ministry. You still need to study the Bible. You still need to read. You still need to spend time with the Lord. And Paul knows at all this time, he said, I don't understand myself. I want to do the right things. 
but I don't do the right things. Instead, I do the wrong things, those things that I hate, those things that I know it offends God. And I definitely understand and can relate with that, and I believe we all can agree with that. Paul here, what he's talking about. Paul is talking about the struggle between the spirit and the flesh. It is a struggle between the spirit and the flesh, and that's a battle that will be ongoing until when? When would it stop? When would that struggle stop in your life? It'll stop, not the struggle, but struggles. If there's a particular struggle, then you really need to seek the Lord in that. And hopefully, you know, it's not that habitual sin where you continue on, continue, you're playing games with God. I'm talking about sins in general. We fall all the time, and we struggle all the time. When would that stop? When would it stop, Pastor Eddie? You know when it'll stop? When you stand before the Lord in glory. He who has begun a good work in you will complete until the day of Christ. That's when it will stop. So as long as you're a Christian, you're going to struggle with these things. You're going to struggle to try to do the right things, but you don't do those things. You see, we have a dual nature within us. Even as Christians, we have a dual nature. It's not, okay, I'm a Christian, and I'm not prone to sin. Well, I'm super Christian. I am so righteous, so holy. (laughs) Yeah, God is going to humble you big time. We have this dual nature within us, and they're at war against each other, and they always will be at war against each other. Because you see, man is flesh, and God is spirit. We are flesh, and God is spirit. You see, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman there by the well in John chapter 4, verse 24, he says, God is what? Spirit. And those who worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. We pray in the spirit. Our relationship with God is spiritual. God is spirit. We are the flesh. So your spirit needs to do the right things, but your flesh is saying, listen, you're just too tired. You're busy. You got no time for God. You got no time for church. You got no time for prayer meetings. You got no time for devotion. It's a struggle. And so we are the flesh trying to serve a holy, mighty, spiritual God. And so we have this ongoing battle within us. First Peter, Peter writes in his letter, First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, that's in this world, abstain from fleshly lusts, which wars against the soul. We're sojourners in this land. When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, you're no longer resident here. Your, res- your residency is up in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You're just passing by. But abstain from lust. It's a battle. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. He said, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Sounds familiar? Paul is still echoing the same what was me or that this same problem here in Romans chapter 7 he is writing almost the same thing to the believers in Galatia why because he knows listen I've been there done that I thought I was holy I thought I did this outward works I was a Pharisee a Pharisee of the Pharisees I know the law I was blameless I sacrificed and I killed it crucified the church but even in his letter not only in Rome you see it kind of echoes and parallels here in, in Galatia So the question is, why is it so, so hard, so, so hard for us to do the right things? We know the right things to do. We have the scriptures in us. We even have this moral compass within us to know that even if you never study the Bible, that to kill someone, it's a sin. 
Why do we, we know the right things, but we don't often do it? The problem is that, here it is, we try to do things in our own strength, in our own power, and in the flesh. That is the reason. When you separate the two, you'll find that apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. But with Jesus Christ, I can do all things. Perfect example. Here's an example, illustration. After I finish eating a nice, juicy cheeseburger, right? Just finish eating the nicest, juicy cheeseburger right there. In my mind, I know I should refrain from a second cheeseburger. That's my mind. I know it's not right. It tastes good. And my flesh is saying, come on, you can, you can do it, Ed. Come on, one more cheeseburger. You can do it. Mine say, listen, Ed, you're short. And when, that, when you eat, it doesn't go vertically. It goes horizontally. And I'm saying to myself, okay, but what happened? The flesh wants me to get a second cheeseburger. I know the right thing to do and the healthy, you know, it's just one is good enough. Have a couple of chips maybe, even not even that, a couple of carrot sticks. I don't know. I already said I'm a meatitarian. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm sorry. But that's perfect. You get the idea. The battle, the struggle will always be there. We know the right things to do, but we don't do it. We don't do it. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Verse 16, if then, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree. And I think all of us could agree with the law that it is good. What is he saying here? If we know that what we're doing is wrong, then that proves the case that we, we can all agree that the law is good. The law is good. It's telling us not to do the wrong things. It's good. You know. But you, we still do it. Verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. You know, listen to this. You are not sinners because you sin. You are not sinners because you sin, but rather we sin because we're sinners. It's already in us. We were born of the flesh. We are carnal. And that's what struggles. It's foreign to the body. When you accepted Jesus Christ, like, wow, whole new life. That's why you felt good. It, because it was so powerful that even your flesh to say, oh boy, here we go. We're going to have a battle until, you know, either he gives in to us, the flesh is saying, or, you know, he's going to battle us all the way to heaven. We are not sinners because we sin, but rather we sin because we're sin. And that's because of human depravity. I'm The book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine. As we continue to learn from this New Testament book, we'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you. 
and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on service times. Thanks, Tracy. That website once again is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm